0: Good morning and welcome to the Thoroughbred Post. Uh, I'm Les Salzman and welcome to the show.
1: You're listening to the Thoroughbred Post on the EquiSport Radio Network. Brought to you by Bally Rose, your full service South Florida farm. And now from Bally Rose Farm here is our host Les Saltzman.
2: Two million four hundred back. Two million four fifty down the get to get him four hundred and fifty. Four hundred and fifty down the get to get down to get him to get him to you're out. Two million four fifty, but to get fifty, but to get fifty, but to get fifty. How much you ran? to get down four hundred and fifty. Get Cancel all dinner reservations. We're on hold here. 2 million Four hundred and fifty. All in. All done. Two hundred and get to get four hundred and fifty. We got to do it now. Fifty. Fifty. We're up to seven partners. Fifty. 50. All in. All done. Here to get a go, down to get him to get him forward. to get him to get to get him get him to get now 5. 2 million 5. Hand to get him to get in 2 million 5 back there. Hand to get him to get down to get him to get 5. Oh, 5 here. we get 2 main 5. How about you Mitchell? 2 million five. two million five, One, two million 5. Hand to get him to get 5. Here 2 Hand 5. 2 million 5. Here get him to get 5. Here we go Hand down 5. Here we go then. 2 the 5. to get 5, 2 5. We said no. Thank you. They said no. Pete, you all done? two million we are going to sell it right here. $2,450,000 going on the phone with Brian in the office. Thank you. $2,450,000. And that does deserve an outstanding round of applause. Our congratulations to consigner Bobby Dodd, to the successful bidder on that Colt, Grant is now Colt, worked the co fastest of the day, and just sold for $2,450,000. Our congratulations all around.
0: Todd, welcome to the show, and uh, thanks for joining us. Always my pleasure. Uh, I know this is a tough time of the year for you to take a few minutes away. Uh, I know it's very busy with the uh, two-year-old and training sales, uh, and we really appreciate you coming on board.
3: Well, always happy to help.
0: Thanks. Hey, speaking of which, uh, you know, we're right in the heart. of. Uh, You guys kicked off the two-year-old sales last month with what I think was a pretty strong performance there. Uh, and now we roll into April. But what I really want to talk about first, if we could, is the job that OBS did during the crunch of the pandemic. Uh, as a horseman, I've got to tell you, I really appreciate it. Uh, well, thank
3: you thank you, about, thank you for that, Les. We, you know, we put a lot of effort and a lot of forethought into our plans regarding those sales. Um, as you can remember, uh, the March sale was kind of right as things were starting to domino as far as the COVID-19 situation. And, you know, we kind of, uh, had a number of meetings with our board and trying to go back and forth and trying to make the right decision for everyone involved. And, um, you know, ultimately we, uh, we made the decision to move forward with the sale. Horses were already on the ground. Most of the people were already here. Um, And, you know, we kind of did that with the blessing of the local government here in Ocala. Um, You know, the mayor got behind us and said, hey, you know, go ahead and have that sale. And uh, so it it was, uh, you know, we we got the March sale done. Um, You know, obviously, with everything going on with COVID, it certainly had an effect on the sale. But at least uh, the horsemen were able to get some horses traded around. Uh, and We were able to have our April sale, to, the sale, this sale that we're coming up on that we normally hold in April, we were able to hold that in June, and then we moved the June sale to July. So we were able to hold all three of our sales I think uh, and at least give the local horsemen a chance to get some horses moved.
0: And, and that, that's the really nice part about it is being – and obviously your two-year-old sales bring people from all over the world – but you kind of really focused on taking care of your local horse population, or your local agents and farms by keeping open, and, and that had to be hard. I mean, the, the behind-the-scenes gyrations must have been incredibly difficult.
3: Well, it uh, you know certainly presented its unique challenges, uh, but ultimately you know it's something we needed to do. felt felt like we needed to do and wanted to do, um, and you know. Certainly, through tough times, some good things usually come out of it. And one of the uh, one of the good things that came out of the situation last year was the you know advent of online bidding. Um, quite frankly, I don't know that we would have gotten to the point where we are with online bidding had not the COVID and the pandemic uh, hit. The, the the certainly the pandemic was an impetus to get behind. Well, the I think online it's, it's a tremendous fact proven factor. to be very valuable.
0: Uh, do you think that, well, obviously in March you had loads of folks on the ground. I mean, the, the sales ground were, was packed. Uh, but did you get much Internet uh, bidding for the March sale? Or did we go well, back to the traditional? actually, we did not have
3: the Internet bidding up and running for March. We, we actually, after when, when the, things, the writing was on the wall after the March sale, we we went to work with uh, a company called Xira and they really did a yeoman's job of, of getting getting us something to use uh, by the uh, by the sale in, in
0: June. But for this March, did you, did you did you have much internet activity?
3: Yes, we did actually. Um, I want to say almost a third of the horses had an internet bid placed on them.
0: Wow, that that's surprising. Um, yes.
3: Um, you know, people are real. Have really warmed up to it, and it's a neat way for even you know. So, say a principal isn't here on the grounds that he has, you know, eyes and ears here, an agent or whatever. Um, you know, them being able to bid online really kind of gives them some participation in in the process.
0: I think one of the things that it does, you know, as a horseman, is it. Ele- and you're 100 percent right. It gives the owner or The person that's going to make the final decision, the ability to participate even if they're not on the grounds, but between the speed in which those bids are handled, which is truly at real time, and the ancillary video work that the consigners and the sales company are doing, you really, other than feeling and touching legs, you don't have to be there.
3: Yeah, you're right. Certainly technology has uh, has. Has made this very—I mean, kind of an understatement—to say, just technology made this uh, possible. But uh, with the, you know, with the speed at which technology is changing, you know, the old timers or back in the day, no one would have thought that you could look at a video or bid online and ascertain that that you're going to buy a horse. And now you well, really do. You got a lot of information. Uh, right at your fingertips, um, and, and there's a lot of people that make decisions like
0: that. Well, the catalog updates and everything that's available to you on your laptop, or you know, if you're wandering around the sales grounds, you're seeing, and I think you can make a much better decision than you could 25 or 30 years ago. And, and of course, no you know, we have much more improved situations as far as that information. So now as a sales company, how do you stay ahead of that curve? Hmm.
3: Well, sometimes I don't feel like we're, you know, we're ahead of it. Uh, You try to, uh, I think you try to keep your eyes open and look at other industries and see what they're doing from a technology standpoint and see if there's anything that you can apply that, you know, that you can apply to your own industry. Um, Certainly online yeah. auctions, using that as an example, had been around for equipment for quite some time. Um, the feeling always was that, you know, people it, that uh, the horse sale was a touchy-feely place and that you needed to kind of be there in person. And, and now we're finding out that, that people are more comfortable, are people comfortable not having to be there in person. And so uh, the convenience of the online bidding process, and you mentioned, you know, it is real time, you know, one of the key components is not having latency between what's being done live and what's being done online and in this the company Xera, that's kind of their belly whip is, is that there is no latency it, it, it's real time as, as if you were standing in the auction room.
0: Uh, and i think you know for the breeding stock sale in particular it's a no brainer but i think people are now becoming more comfortable with the horses in training and It'll be interesting to see what happens in the yearling market as well.
3: Well, right, and, you know, add to that, we're now putting walking videos up on all these horses, and, and you know, that thing of seeing them move, now they're, you know, the two-year-old sales, are, they can watch them move on the racetrack, and they can move and watch on the walking videos, and, and the yearlings as well. I mean, they can uh, watch the walking videos online, and people, have, you know, with this, the way it's become easier and easier to get these videos done, more and more horses have
0: them. You know, you talk about the walking video, and again, as a buyer, uh, it actually is easier to evaluate a horse walking to and from me on the video because I can stop it, I can go back and see it 4, 5, 10, 12 times where when I'm on the sales ground, you know, it's, can you walk this one off for me? Boom, 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 and yeah. Okay, you can put it back in. So sure. I, I think there's a lot of real value to it. I, you know, I agree, and, and,
3: and you you know, as you mentioned with technology, you know, the quality of video that we can put up now is changed tremendously.
0: Yeah, no, you know, in the old days it used to be whether it was a big ankle or just a fuzzy picture. Uh but now you can really yeah, exactly. really see pretty carefully what was going on. Now yeah. One of the things that I've noticed as as technology changes and as the world changes, you've got a bunch of new consigners coming in a lot of younger people with with consignments for your two year old sales. Can you tell me a little bit about some of those folks?
3: Sure, yeah you know with the uh, you know hey time marches on and, and uh, you know the one thing that we know that the more things uh, change uh, you know nothing stays the same, so we move forward a couple of um, you know, top, uh, the top line sales with just Jimbo and Tori Gladwell um, is one of our bigger consigners, and they're uh, you know certainly uh, part of the game. They have been a part of the game their whole life uh, with their father, uh, Jimmy Gladwell. Um, Pickview Sales, the uh, Joe Pickrell, uh, one of the new and upcoming consigners uh, that sells with us. So th- there are a number of new consigners I-, I hate to keep. Just enumerating a few, but um, certainly,
0: yeah. I don't mean uh, to put you on the spot.
3: (laughs) A lot of new blood, uh, you know, selling horses with us, and we're excited to see that.
0: Well, it it speaks well for the future. Uh, It really does, especially. You've got some people that are consigning, and they really are doing a great job in promoting their horses, and they do a great job showing at the sales ground. So, I I think the future looks good. Uh, tell us a little bit about the april sale
3: well you know april the april sale has you know just really evolved into you know the premier two-year-old training sale in the world i mean it's the largest two-year-old training uh, in training sale in the world and and uh, people from all over the country come here to shop it uh you know we are cataloged 1217 horses this year breeze uh we'll breeze horses for seven days we we uh extended the Breeze Show a one day to seven days to make the days a little shorter and make it a little kinder on horses and people. Um, and so uh, we're getting geared up and getting ready to go. Horses are on the ground. They're shipping in. They'll be shipping in uh, for the rest of this week, and we'll start the Breeze Show on Sunday.
0: No, it's, it's exciting, and, you know, we're, we've already made our hotel reservations. You know, we, we got our shot. This, this is a big thing for me. You know, because I'm an old guy, right? So we got our shot, and the first thing we did after we got the second shot is Laura made reservations for the the sale. Now, I I made the reservation for the sale because I love that that sale. I mean, that's my favorite sale. She made it because she misses the brisket sandwich. The concession stand. <laughs> well, the brisket sandwich will still be here, so that's, that's
3: great. Yeah. I'll make no, sure I been let Charlie Get it.
0: one ready for. It. Okay, good. Uh, Todd, anything else that you'd like to share with us? Well, we,
3: you know, just uh, if anybody's interested in two-year-olds, we certainly welcome them out uh, to come to the sale. Uh, all you can find out all the information you need at our website www.obsales.com. That's s.com. You'll be able to keep track of the Breeze shows. You'll be able to see the Breeze videos. You'll be able to see catalog pages. Every All the information you need um, will be right there. And there's also instructions on there if you choose to bid online uh, how to register.
0: And the closing date for the June sale is? Um,
3: actually, the entries closed a couple days ago. Um, we uh, kept it open just for a little bit longer. so. Um, it'll be closing up, up probably by the end of next week.
0: And and you'll take supplementals though for the horses of racing age?
3: Yes, we typically do. Um, we'll, we usually catch horses out of other sales or something, but yes, we usually take supplements for you.
0: Perfect. Todd, as always, a pleasure. Uh, look forward to seeing you and Cindy and, uh, Thanks for joining us and taking time out.
3: Hey, thanks, Les. I enjoyed visiting with you, and absolutely, we look forward to seeing you soon.
0: Great. And we're going to take a brief break, and then a good friend, Phil, joining us on the Thoroughbred Post.
1: The finest care for your horses in a quite relaxed natural environment. That's what you will get at Bally Rose Farm in South Florida. Customized feed, therapy, and turnout programs ensure that every horse gets the attention they need and deserve. With more than 35 years of professional experience, the Bally Rose team works hard for you and your horses, and is known for its client communications. Turnouts, breeding stock, or layup—Bally Rose is your best choice. Visit ballyrose.com or call five six one seven seven four five two zero zero.
2: Three quarters, twelve flap. Benzik connection now gains on the outside of Moment of Hope now drawing alongside about four back to Broadbrush still in third. Benzik connection on the outside. Moment of Hope on the rail. They are heads up aren't they there, followed by Broadbrush. Personal flag in wise times. The mile 37 flap. Benzig connection on the outside. What's ahead in front? But here comes Broadbrush. Personal flag also gaining. Wise times on the far outside. They pass the eighth pole. Broadbrush now takes the lead. Benzig connection on the inside. Back into second. Wise times. Personal flag gaining on the outside. Then Scrimshaw. Broadbrush has the lead. Wise times closing. Broad Brush, Wise times to the wire.
0: And we know who won that, right, Phil? Well, that, that brings back good memories, I'm
4: sure. It certainly does, and uh, and I believe that was Marshall Cassidy uh, calling the race. It was. Yep, yeah, yeah. It was a it was a great day. It was a great day uh, for all the connections, and uh, one of the best days I've had in horse racing.
0: Well, you've had plenty of great days. You've d- done a wonderful job, and I guess what it's thirty five, thirty six years now since you went out on your own.
4: Ah, uh, yeah, went on my own in eighty five. So, yes, this will be my 36th
0: year uh, on my own. So we were just kids then.
4: We Uh, were. We were were babies. And it's it's very true. I wish I knew then what I knew now. Before you went
0: out on your own, you know, isn't that the truth, though? As we get older, we realize that more and more.
4: Yeah.
0: Yeah. You know, before you went on your own, you had some great experience. Why don't you share that with the audience a little bit?
4: Well, I did. I was blessed to be able to come to this country in 1977, and at first, I latched on with Lucian Lauren as an exercise boy, uh, and I did not did, did not know who Lucian Lauren was. I'd heard of Secretariat uh, before leaving England. I didn't know who his trainer was, um, but then Lucian was not going south for, uh, to Miami for the winter. Uh, he was he used to winter in the Carolinas, and I wanted to go to Miami, so. I had heard that a job was available as an exercise rider for Woody Stevens, who I also didn't know anything about. And I interviewed with Woody and got the job, and stayed with him for eight years, and was blessed to be around some of the finest horse flesh in the world. Um, and 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 I, 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 I now, that's what, not what, how
0: you I'm
4: sorry. You go, no, ahead. go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry i was saying uh, i was just blessed to be around uh, the finest horse flesh in the world uh it seemed like every weekend woody would win the stake uh in new york and a stake out of town and and the the, the critical thing is he only ever he never carried more than 36 horses at any time uh during uh, during when i was with him uh and probably during his whole career uh and you know to think of the accomplishments that Woody um, did with only a barn full of 36 horses is nothing short of amazing.
0: That's very, very true. And when you look at, and obviously I'm a huge Woody fan, but when you look at what he did with as many different types of horses, uh, that's what's really amazing to me.
4: And and yeah, I'm just to just to interject again. I'm sorry, but uh, you are 100 percent right. He could train two-year-olds to win first time, and of course, he could win the Belmont occasionally. Um, he he could do anything, <laughs> any type of horse. Nothing was out of the realm of possibility with Woody.
0: But when I look at your career, I see a lot of the same thing. You you've you've won graded stakes with. Horses that were very expensive, very inexpensive, going long, going short. On some and, of that, a uh, Genesis of Woody, or is
4: I, I would I would say so. I think that uh, wh- one of the many things I learned from Woody was that each horse, being an individual, is also going to have individual strengths and weaknesses. And um, as he used to say it was equally important to find out why a horse lost as to why he won. And so by through that, you would find out a horse's best distance, um, and that might be five-eighths on the turf. It might be a mile on the dirt. It might be a mile and a half on the dirt. But, but as, as you well know, as a former trainer, you're always trying to find out what the horse's optimum strength is.
0: It's interesting that you mentioned that because a couple of times when I was at Philadelphia Park, Woody sent horses that he was training to me because I had an owner and the horse wasn't good enough for New York. And any, every time I called him to report back to him, he said, well, why'd they lose? Every <laughs> time.
4: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, he was fond of. Yeah, And it wasn't him expression. being a wise guy.
0: It was he wanted me to learn.
4: Yeah, exactly. And, and know, that's what and, he wanted uh,
0: you know, and, and I think one of the things that people don't realize about him, and you you certainly do, is he was a great teacher. Whether you were working for him or whether you were in the barn next to him or you just called him up to chat, he he really liked sharing his information.
4: He, he loved it. He loved to explain a decision. And with being on some of the uh, better horses in the stable, as I was fortunate enough to do, That meant that Woody, who was always astride his pony, would usually end up accompanying me to the track and back from the track after the morning exercise. So there was lots of time uh, to pick his brain, why are we doing this today and not that. Uh, And he loved to explain why he did it.
0: Now, When you left Woody, you trained primarily in the North.
4: You broke up a little bit on me there last day again? And then
0: came down to Florida in the winter. I'm sorry. For some reason, we're having a bad connection today, and I apologize to our listeners. Uh, When you first started training, you stayed up north in the summertime and came down here in the the winter. I know you always liked South Florida, but you also had a very good ability to get a two-year-old ready.
4: Yes. So, um... Yeah, uh, so in the past, that was my circuit. It was New York in the summer and uh, Florida in the winter. And then about 20 years ago, uh, 22 years ago to be exact, uh, my son was born, and our son was born. And uh, I wanted to keep him – I didn't want him him bouncing around schools following me uh, going to different racetracks. So I made a decision at that point – to remain in Miami. And I did that for uh, almost 20 years, uh, remaining year-round in Miami. Um, and then when he came up schooling... Uh, embarrass of college, you.
0: But that's one of the reasons...
4: I, I, I didn't hear Go ahead.
0: No, not to Go embarrass ahead. you. Uh, yeah. but, but that's one of the reasons why I admire you, not only as a trainer, but as a person. You, mm-hmm. you made made a family-first decision, and that had to have been a very difficult decision for you.
4: Well, it actually wasn't, uh, because uh, when he was born, the decision was made very easy for me, um, and there was no way I was going to do anything different. Uh, I did make some inquiries to fellow trainers who had been in the same situation, who who had done it differently, Um, And um, between that and my own conscience, I just felt it was the right thing to do. So it wasn't a very difficult decision.
0: And and now he's at a school. And how's he doing?
4: So now he he graduates literally in 11 days from the University of Florida. And he goes to work uh, as a software engineer for Microsoft.
0: Well, great. Excellent. And so with him in college, you you started back up north, I guess. Tell us what you're doing now.
4: So with that in mind, uh, when when he went off to college four years ago, one of my main clients, Peter Vegso, who owns a farm in Ocala, uh, he had offered me a job as his farm trainer, if you will, for want of a better term. Uh, over the years, and I'd always I'd, I'd always declined because it meant moving my son from school. But when our son went to college, um, it was an opportunity to think about moving to Ocala to take this uh, private job, so to speak, for Peter Vegso. And my wife and I discussed it, and we said, "Let's do it." And so, for, uh, but the only caveat, the only um, uh, prerequisite, if you will that I gave to Peter was that I would love to do it, but I want to still go to Saratoga for the summer. So he agreed to those terms. So for the last, this will be my fourth year doing it now, I am living and training in Ocala, breaking babies and training older horses. And then, and that's for seven months of the year. And the summers from May till October uh, my, my wife and I are in Saratoga, and we are racing at Belmont and Saratoga.
0: Best of both worlds.
4: It's, I feel very blessed, Les, because uh, it's great. Uh, sometimes the grind of training year-round uh, can kind can, of weigh on you a little bit. So I get a bit of a break from the training uh, by doing this during the winter, uh, what I'm doing now. But boy, I'm really excited. To be going up to Saratoga at the end of this month uh, to resume competitive racing, uh, and I, I'll dive into that for five months. And, and I still love love that my competitive juices have not waned uh, one iota. Uh, so, but we're lucky that we're lucky, you know, to have a situation like this.
0: Well, you had a tremendous year last year. I mean, you you had an unbelievable year last year.
4: We did. We did. We only have eight horses. Uh, that's by choice. Um, and the reason I do that is because uh, the one barn that I wanted to go into, there were only eight empty stalls. And so I could only bring eight horses. So that's what we've been doing. And last year was particularly good, as you mentioned. Uh, we won. But that works sticks. well
0: because you have. I know there was a period towards the fall that it, it was incredible. Every time I picked up, you know, the results, you were winning a stake. It was great. It
4: it, it was uh, it was wonderful, and, and uh, we were blessed to have a couple of real nice horses. One named Thin White Duke, uh, who was a, a very good, New, who is a very good New York bred, and the other was Second of July, uh, who won his first two races and then took us to the breeders' and- cup. And are they back? Be- yes, yeah, so what I did then, Are they both back um, in training? Yeah. so, so per my uh, plan, uh, after the Breeders' Cup, uh, we came back to Ocala. Um, we turned all the horses out for three months. And they are all back now in full training, including the two I just mentioned to you. And they'll be shipping up, and we'll be ready to run in races, God willing, at the end of April.
0: Well, hopefully we have a great year again for you. And, uh, you, you, know, you know, I'm one of your biggest fans. Uh, we're always rooting for you and uh, always want you to be on the show. We're going to we've threatened for a couple of years, Phil, to do a Woody birthday show. We're going to try and do it this year. I'd like to get you and Sandy and maybe a few other folks on to talk about Woody, uh, because a lot a lot of the young folks don't even remember him. Right. And that's. And that's a person to get. So uh, hopefully you'll acquiesce and come on board, and hopefully hopefully we'll get to see you in Saratoga.
4: I will definitely do that. I will look forward to seeing you in Saratoga, and uh, I would love to do anything uh, involved with Woody, because without Woody, I would not be where I am professionally.
0: A lot of us. And additionally, congratulations on getting your son graduated.
4: Ah, thank you. You you did a
0: great. You did a great job, my friend.
4: Thank you, thank you so much
0: for saying that. Break right now, and Katie Roberts is going to join us uh, on the Thurber Post.
1: The finest care for your horses in a quite relaxed natural environment—that's what you will get at Bally Rose Farm in South Florida. Customized feed, therapy, and turnout programs ensure that every horse gets the attention they need and deserve. With more than 35 years of professional experience, the Bally Rose team works hard for you and your horses, and is known for its client communications. Turnouts, breeding stock, or layup—Bally Rose is your best choice. Visit ballyrose.com or call five six one seven seven four five two zero zero.
0: And we're back. Welcome to the Thoroughbred Post. I'm Les Salzman, and Katie Roberts is with us right now. Is it Kate or Katie? I'm sorry, you you broke up, Kate. For some reason, and we never have connectivity problems, but for some reason today we've been having it throughout the show. So is it Katie or Kate?
5: It is Kate.
0: Okay, great. Kate. Uh, The reason I wanted to have you on the show, go ahead. Uh, Kate, the reason we wanted to have you on the show uh, was you have a very interesting story to tell about your first pin hook.
5: I do. It is quite the story.
0: (laughs) Well, let let us hear it.
5: So... In about 2017, maybe it was 2018, um, I was working at the Keeneland sales, kind of just you know showing horses. And my friend and I were like, "Hey, we should buy a weanling and pin hook it." And we were both like, "We don't have very much money, so it's going to be a super cheap pin hook." Um, but we wanted to try it out. And so I was showing horses, and I actually met someone, and he was like, hey, what horse do you think I should buy in this barn? And I showed him a street sense billy, and he loved her, and he ended up buying her. And he came back to the barn and was like, do you pinhook horses? And I was like, no, I just, you know, sometimes take them off the track, and I'll sell them as sport horses. And I was like, but my friend and I are actually wanting to pin hook one this year. And he was like, well, what's your budget? And I told him, I was like, we're thinking like $2,500. And he basically laughed in my face. And he was like, well, I don't think that's a good idea. You're not going to get a very nice horse. And he was like, if I pay for the horse and you put in all the work, I'll go in 50-50 with you. So I was like, are you serious? Okay. So we look around and look around and we find who happened to be um, the FedBiz colt. And we, we were pretty stuck on him. So we went and we bid on him, and we got him for about $10,000. It was like nine dollars I believe. And um, we purchased him, and we went 50-50 in with this guy that we met at the sale. And we did all the prep work, all ourselves, worked really hard, took him swimming and all that kind of stuff. And everyone kind of looked at us like we were crazy because he was not a good-looking horse at all when we purchased him. Um, but he grew up and he grew up really pretty and my friend and I took him to the sale and we sold him for $200,000. So, (laughs) um, it was, that is not a bad, crazy experience. No, it it was not bad at all.
0: (laughs) Now, now where did you take him?
5: Uh, we took him back to the Keeneland, uh, yearling sale and sold him there. And then when they called me and told me that he wasn't doing well on the racetrack, and offered him back to me. Um, he is now at my farm at home.
0: And where's your farm at?
5: It's in Course Gold, California.
0: Okay, where, where's your farm? Okay, it's in so Gold, California. Yeah. He, so he wound up in California with John Sheriffs and the Mosses, and yes, you got he the, did. And, and you got the phone call, and that must have been a very interesting call for you.
5: Yeah, it was it was quite crazy. Um, even when we found out that we sold them to the Mosses, my heart was just, like, so happy because they take such good care of their horses, and I knew um, that he would end up in the best home possible with them. And um, I also mentioned, you know, when he sold, I was like, if you guys ever don't want him anymore, please reach out to me because I really want him back. And I actually did go visit him at um, Los Alamitos, which is a racetrack just outside of L.A., um, yeah. while he was racing and I told them then too, I was like, Hey, please reach out to me if you guys don't want this horse anymore. And they used to always joke. They're like, no, he's going to be a big, bad race horse. I don't think you're going to get this one back. And then about a week ago I got the call and they were like, Hey, it's just not working out for him. And we would really like him to go back to you. And I loaded up and went and got him the next day.
0: And it took you about how many minutes to hook up the trailer and uh, get down there?
5: <laughs> it took. Let's see. I hooked up in seconds because I was so excited. But it was a it was a six hour drive for me to go get him.
0: And, and he's home now with you. How's he doing?
5: He's great. He. At first, I was a little worried. He was pretty hot and spicy, but I turned him out with my other uh, off the track thoroughbreds that I have here and. They're loving life together. I'm kind of just letting him go through the letdown process right now. I haven't gotten on him or anything, but he's really enjoying just being a horse, I think.
0: You know, we we have a farm down here in Florida, and we we take a bunch of horses in over the course of a year from the racetrack, uh, mainly, mainly because they've been pretty good to me, so we might as well give them something back. But, uh, of course. It, it never fails that a horse that maybe was uncomfortable at the racetrack after three or four days, they settle right down. They Oh, he's and you, a
5: completely different horse. It's it's unreal.
0: And, and, and I think you hit it. You, they get a chance, you know, and, and, and they respond well. So do you do, you do a oh, lot yeah. of OTTB stuff? Or tell us a little bit more about what you do.
5: Yeah, so I do a ton of OTTB stuff. Um, basically, it all started off with a, when I was little, um, a man – named a racehorse after one of my cousins who passed away because she wrote for the thoroughbred magazine and um so we went and watched that mare race and she won her maiden race and it was just like a very special moment and i got like very hooked on thoroughbreds after that um so i got my first thoroughbred and i trained her and i rode her and, and, and then and after and so that it was just what was that
0: and so now do you turn them over or tell us a little bit about the operation yeah
5: Yeah. so what i do is i will pull them in off of the track and then i'll put about 30 to 60 days on them of just like basic sport horse training so like dressage jumping and cross country and then i put them up for sale and i find them i only sell to forever home so i don't allow my horses to go to anyone who's going to retrain them and sell them um i do full contracted uh full-time home so they find kind of their partner in life and then also i kind of go back to uh if they don't want them anymore in the contract they put that they have to offer them back to me because a lot of thoroughbreds fall through the cracks and i just don't want that to, the, to happen exactly to i've retrained
0: yeah Big exactly concern of mine so do you, do you have a website or a facebook page I that do. If somebody wanted to reach I do. you i
5: have yeah, I have a Facebook page and I have a website, and it's just Catherine Roberts Eventing. Um, and all my information is on there. All the horses that I sell is on there. My whole story's on there, so um, I keep it pretty updated.
0: And this pin hooking thing—are you going to try it again?
5: I would love to, <laughs> um, but I actually have a family now, and I'm in California, and. It's not as big over here. Um, we're kind of thinking about moving back over to the East Coast. So if that happens, I would definitely like to try it again. Um, I don't know if I would be. Able I, to I don't do know that your grandma to be
0: too happy to hear that.
5: Oh, I don't think so either. She loves having me back home in California, but the horse business is just so much bigger over in the East Coast. So I would really like to. I'd like to make it bigger, and I would. I want to grow my retiring and rehoming project or business even more. So. Um, the East Coast is kind of the place to do that.
0: No, you sound very, very passionate about it, and uh, I congratulate you for the effort. I mean, to do what you do Thank is, you. is hard work. And, and as appreciate it, and uh, just keep on doing it. And uh, whether you move east or not, keep in touch with us. We'd love to have you back on the show again. And uh, Yeah,
5: that would be great. I would love that.
0: And, and as I told you before, your grandmother is the best booking agent in the history of oh, radio. Uh, she does That's a great been job for you. that my
5: whole life, though.
0: <laughs> she finds me uh, all these
5: opportunities. I have to thank my whole uh, horse career to her, for sure.
0: Well, she's a wonderful woman, and we're, we're going to follow you up on the show.
5: Yeah, I would I would absolutely love that. A-
0: another rehoming type of situation. Uh, Tammy Gantt. Uh, is going to be coming on. She's with the TRF and uh, also with the Florida Breeders, and we're going to talk about one of the horses that they have in their herd. Uh, We do a segment every week called Heroes of the Herd, and she's got a pretty interesting guy that we're going to talk to after this break.
5: Perfect. Well, that sounds good. I look forward to talking to you guys in the future.
0: Thanks, Kate. Good meeting you. Take care. Mm
5: -hmm.
1: The Thoroughbred Uh Retirement Foundation is the oldest and largest charity in the United States dedicated to saving thoroughbred racehorses when their racing careers are done. For 35 years, the TRF has been not only saving horses, but saving lives through their nationally recognized Second Chances program. Learn more at the TRF website, trfincorporated.org.
0: And we're back, and again, we apologize for the connectivity problems that we're having today. Uh, We don't usually have those, but... We're going to make it through here, and we've got a great – Tammy Gant is on the phone with us. Tammy, how are you today?
6: I'm great, Les. Uh, I get you about every fifth word, so if I I, I answer a question that you didn't ask, we'll just roll with it. (laughs) But thanks for having me. I'm excited about my retired thoroughbreds. I know that's your topic a bit of the show today.
0: Well, it, it is, and you know what, we always try and get the TRF segment in uh, because of the great work that they do, you know, you you get you're getting every fifth word. That's about three words more per paragraph than most people get. So you're doing really well.
6: <laughs> Wonderful. That sounds great. <laughs> uh,
0: so be, be, before we before we talk about TRF, let's let's if we can talk about the Florida Thoroughbred Owners and Breeders Association uh, because you guys have really kept things moving during the COVID situation.
1: Yeah, and- yeah.
6: We've been really, really fortunate. We actually, um, we, we've we been really fortunate because um, um, the tracks were able to um, stay open, racing without spectators, but they were able to stay open. And then Ocala Breeders Sales threaded that needle and um, kept that sales process open, which was really significant. So we've been very blessed in Florida. Um, we also are seeing our purses um, come up. And in addition to that, where we um, with some of our programs of Florida sire stakes and stuff, those those things had maintained through COVID, but now we're going to probably see some additional things come down the road here very shortly, um, which is really great news for Florida breeds and uh, Florida sired horses.
0: It, it is, and the program seems like it's getting healthy in, yeah. in the um, right direction. Now today yeah, is yeah. probably an unusual unusual melancholy day for you right because today is the last day of training at a place where you kind of cut your teeth Calder
6: yeah it's it's been um, very sentimental we actually have on Facebook a group called Calder um, current and former employees and it's just a family there they had the slogan before I came there at Calder we love you and that is just so true and you know the last thing we at FTBA were able to Um, save some of the history um, of the track and bring it to our offices, and we've been able to um, safeguard some of the photos, some of those history memorabilia, if you will. But in addition, there's still stuff going on. You know, For example, this last weekend, a a load of Calder kitties, as we like to call them, the little cats that lived on the back stretch that – sometimes got there because trainers and owners had them at their barns, and most of them obviously took their cats. But then there were people in the neighborhood that left kitties that knew they'd get a good home. So now all those colder kitties are coming up to Ocala and getting new homes and new barns away from the racetrack, and that happened over the weekend.
0: That, that's pretty cool because that's one of the worst things, you know, when you're shipping out at the end of a meet or whatever.
4: You yeah. see the cats
0: <laughs> that, that are left behind. And it's, it's great that – I, you and I, I know Rosemary Holmeister and a number of people have been really working to make sure all those cats get a, get a home.
6: Yeah, and there's actually some folks behind the scenes. Diana Kukowski who used to be with the Thoroughbred Retirement Foundation, was very instrumental, and a lot of other folks. And what was always great is because Calder was really year-round in the sense that people were training their year-round, so their kitties always had a home, and they would always welcome other kitties that came from the neighborhoods, um, or from, you know, some of the cities, and kind of they left them there because they knew there was a lot of animal lovers. Um, so now that all the horses are gone and all of that, we, there's still this caring about making sure the Calder kitties, feral or gentle, it no, doesn't matter, that they all get a good home. And so it, it's very rewarding to hear that that community comes together, even something as simple as getting those cats home.
0: It, it is. It's going very, very strange going down the Florida Turnpike looking to the right and not seeing the barn area. I got to tell you, I'm, I'm having difficulty with it.
6: Yeah. I tell you when the grand sale was going, a number of people would send me um, shots. And then also there was a home that was for the mascots, Thunder and Lightning, the miniature horses. They're now going to be 23 next month. And they, they live in my herd up here in Ocala. And many people know them. They're world famous compared to anything I've ever done. And they're quite amazing. And so um, their little home that was there, it was a paddock behind the maintenance shed. Um, that's been gone for a while. And when I drive by, I have fond memories, fond, fond memories of those moments of the junior jockey club and kids meeting the little horses all over the community and us doing free days at museums so that youth could have an opportunity just to meet a horse. And so all those memories really flood back when I go that little portion of the turnpike. And then it does make me sad when I look you at know, the, 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 the barns not there.
0: You know, This week, uh, Facebook Tipton held its two-year-old in training sale at Gulfstream, and it we went and it was kind of like a flashback moment. I don't know if you ever have one of those, but it made me think back to the early 90s when I'd go to Calder for the two-year-old in training sale,
6: mm-hmm. and
0: I, I would go down University Drive, and those of you that are familiar with Calder will remember this, and I would always get lost. <laughs> yeah. I would always stop at the same station and you know anybody that knows me knows that the only reason I've been okay in racing is because we just go around in circles. Other than that <laughs> I get lost. So uh but you know you just stop and think and you think about guys like John Finney and uh Terrence Collier and Laddie Dance and Ralph Rettler all those guys standing on the auction stand there selling two-year-olds and it it's it, It's a world gone by, but we've got a great world in front of us.
6: Yeah, and I tell you, one of the moments that comes from the sales in my mind is um, that day our offices, we'd come down for lunch during our off season because it would be the off season for Calder when that sale was going on. And I remember standing there at the end of the paddock facing the, the, the auctioneer's booth, and then the green monkey walked in. And the buzz was incredible about the green monkey, and he was spectacular, I have to say, in every way. So, I knew he was going to be a big bit of the day because we'd heard we'd taken tours in the back and and the barns kind of buzzed about him, so we knew he was the one to watch so I had a large group of people from the community there watching this, and it was a moment in history you know he we went for that sixteen million dollars and as they were signing the ticket, the guy's hand was shaking and and it was it was super exciting and and the clap was had to be a golf clap but everybody was so excited the clap was a little loud, the horse spooked a little bit, and then the auctioneer did what he normally does, says, okay, everyone, let's calm down. The horse needs to leave. And it was a moment that I'll I'll remember for my lifetime. So when I came up to Ocala, one of the first things I wanted to do was see that horse. I just had to have that memory come back to me um, of that day in the sales ring to see, you know, at the time, a world record horse sell. Uh,
0: that, That was so interesting, and I don't want to take up all your time talking about that, but that, when he went through the ring, Walt Roberts was dead at eight million, and somehow mm-hmm. he he got it to move back again. It, it was just masterful. And you know, Terrence Terrence came in, and just if you matter of fact, if you get a chance, go onto YouTube and watch that. They did such a masterful job of moving that horse up uh, that it, that that's a
6: Hall of Fame piece. Yeah, that's that's a a lesson for auctioneers, for sure. I think it just shows how masterful and professional they are, because when the horses stall, usually that's pretty much it. They do a few more things, but to go from 8 and then end up at 16, it really is a master class and, and how to sell a horse at that very, very high end, for sure.
0: Well, let's talk about another horse right now, a horse that's in the TRF herd that is kind of an interesting guy, because he probably has more airline miles on him than I've got on my frequent flyer card.
6: That's for sure. Shake you down. He definitely does.
0: <laughs> it, now he's now what?
6: How old is he?
0: He's a 98 model.
6: 98. So I think he's, he's 23, he, but yeah. technically if you go by his age, April 27th, so his birthday's in a couple weeks, but he's a thoroughbred. So he's already 23. <laughs>
0: And he's a Florida bred. You want to tell us a little bit about him?
6: Yeah, yeah. So he's out of Montbrook, which was that, that wonderful sire that stood at Ocala Stud for, for a long time. But what's interesting is I didn't realize this about him because I knew the horse when he came down to Calder Racecourse for the Festival of the Sun. And he represented the TRF horses and the herd. And he came down and he was a part of a retired thoroughbred ceremony. So I knew him there. And I knew him as he still looked like a magnificent sprinter. And he, it was like 2009, 2010. So he'd been retired for three or four years and I had him in the paddock and he was fresh and I was the one having to walk him every morning. And he was really fresh in the paddock and I was leading him around and all the trainers got very nervous. They're like that horse is in our race because they didn't realize it was shake. (laughs) And so I was like, they were, they were like, wow, that horse is ready to run today. And so that was cool. But I didn't know his history and so when we visited the farm with the FTBA Board of Directors, um, because we fundraised for that farm over here at Lowell Correctional Institute in Ocala, we um, visited Shake You Down. And I couldn't believe Joe O'Farrell was just so excited to see Shake. And I was like, why? And I'm like, oh, yeah, you were the breeder. He goes, we were the breeder at Ocala Stud. And he goes, and I remember this boy. And the horse warmed right up to him, and they got some great photos together. And um, the women there are so so have so much pride for this horse and so it was just neat to see his original breeder many years later get to see the horse again
0: well and and his career you know in case you know he's not a household name for a lot of people he had 65 starts <laughs> and he won tw- and he won 22 races in a million and a half dollars when things were a little less lucrative as far as purses were concerned but the cool part about him tammy is he started out Kind of like a nice horse, placed in, or actually never got type until he was. But uh, you know he dropped down into the claiming ranks, then he went back up, then he went back down, and he's just the classic working class horse. You know he's he's every man's horse or every woman's horse.
6: I agree with you. You know, he would have a, a, a lower buyer speed figure, and then he'd have one that just, you know, ripped one out as you know, as a sprinter that just was like, well, this is a top-class horse. And then, you know, he hit a stride there in May of 2003, and that's when he just started clipping off, you know, the grade three, grade two, another grade three with the smile. And, and he really liked, uh, you know, and like you said, he went all all different tracks. And, um, his, I mean, if you look at it, I don't, I don't remember, I think it's maybe 11 or 12 different tracks he raced at. And he hit, all, he hit on that clip, you know, and I think his, his greatest performance, you know, as far as, you know, people that would recognize him is to watch his third place in, uh, in the Breeders' Cup. But he, he was uh, um, just amazing. Like you said, he was a workhorse day in, day out. He raced um, for four years, uh, and, and that 65 starts, I was surprised. I did not re- remember him running 65 times. And, again, even after retirement, he looked like he was ready to run the day he was at Calder, you know, three years after retirement.
0: Now, what's he doing today with the herd? Tell us a little <laughs> bit about his new job.
6: So his new job is is when the women go over there, many of them have no horse experience, and so they earn an equine certification degree as part of the TRF program. And so many of them are, are just terrified of horses to begin with. So once they get used to handling the horses, learning from the horses, and beginning to really develop skills, Shake is kind of like, I guess, your intermediate because he doesn't make it easy for them but he's not super troublesome. So he likes to be a little bit of a ham and prankster. So he does things like when you turn him out, he's got to take off running and run run parallel with the other horses, and he's always wanting to pick a race. You know, he's got somebody he wants to race with, and then he's always a little hard to catch, a little hard to release, and then he loves to go and hold the uh, the little dauber thing, I don't know what you call it, the lever on the water trough, and just let all the water run out onto the ground so that he can splash, and he just splashes and splashes. So he's quite the character there, and um, he is one of those, if a woman gets that opportunity to work with him, they feel very accomplished.
0: Well, you know, that's the great thing of having a horse like that in the herd because mm-hmm. he, he, he's continuing to make people feel good, and and that's pretty neat. I'm wondering if maybe we could get a video and we'll put it on our website because uh, I think folks would get a, get a kick out of watching him in action.
6: Oh, completely. And he actually has made our in- industry video at least twice last. He um when they show when it says from from racetrack to retirement and they fade in and you see this beautiful chestnut with the blaze running in this field. And if you look closely behind you see the razor wire from the prison um boundaries. And it's really neat because that really showcases him. He went from the racetrack, was a multi you know, was a millionaire and then here he is in retirement and he's always playing. So we've got a lot of video of him being the silly boy he is, splashing the water. Well, if you um, could send
0: some of that along to me, that would be great.
6: Would happy to. And he also, you know, he, he, um, loves to pose for photos. So we've done some photo days out there with the community and, and he's always the one that's like, Oh, you need the pose shot. Let me do that for you. Oh, you need the action shot. Let me do that. And then, you know, because they have a checklist of horse behaviors they take photos of and then he's so accommodating. You're like, you want me to roll? Okay, I'll roll. He, he's just, He's such a good boy, but he loves to challenge the other geldings and the other horses. And so there's a Florida Horse of the Year over there, Forbidden Apple, and they're in paddocks beside each other. And he used to challenge that horse to run along the rail, you know, every morning. And, and as he's gotten older, you can hear his his little knees make a little, you know, like kind of like arthritis a little, but he's still going strong. and he's And he's magnificent to look at. He really is. And he puts his tail up and his head high, and he looks at all the other horses to kind of account for them every morning. And the women, a lot of them will just go and watch him in his paddock because he's so dynamic. So it's really cool.
0: It sounds like you really like him too.
6: You know, I love him, and I tell you, when he came down and I got to hot walk him, it was an an amazing thing. And then he – it was neat because we gave him a blanket when he was down there, not that he really needs it in Florida, but we gave him a blanket with his name on it, and then an artist named Debbie Sampson at the time – Painted his portrait at, and gave it to him in the winter circle. And when I came back up to the farm after all those years of him do, having been at the, the retired therapist ceremony in South Florida, I go into the Ocala office at the, the prison farm, and there is the artwork for him on the wall, and there's the very blanket that I remember handing to him. Now, the only wow. thing that wasn't left was the bouquet of carrots because he promptly ate those in the winter circle, <laughs> but it was amazing It me. And then they had. They had laminated stories about him that we had sent throughout the years, like how he was at Festival of the Sun. And it was amazing. The women called every day to check that I was feeding him right. Um, John Evans, the farm manager, was very like, you got to talk to the ladies that are worried. And he actually missed his ride. He actually missed his free ride on the shuttle from the track up to Ocala. And the ladies were very nervous I was going to keep him. And so John called, and the ladies were on speakerphone so they could hear no, Shake You Down coming back home to the farm, and that's just how beloved he is by everyone that meets him.
0: And you know what? Isn't that kind of a microcosm of the whole program?
6: Mm-hmm. For sure. Uh, for yeah. sure. You know, the, the love that the women develop for the horses, and sometimes that love is because they couldn't give it to their kids because they're incarcerated, so they place that love on the horses, but they also have the love for them because Shake You Down is a little bit of a challenge, and so... When they realize their horsemanship skills have improved enough that they get to work with Shake You Down, there's such a sense of accomplishment and that brings confidence to the women. It brings uh, lasting um, that sentiment and good feeling. So when they do go out of the prison system, you know, they carry that bond with that horse with them for life. Um, and it hopefully helps them have a better life um, and, and really develop into being a good citizen that they'd probably always wanted to be, but sometimes didn't know how to get there.
0: You know, and, and that's, that's one of the nice things of what, what that program is all about. And we're going to be talking with Kim and you about it regularly. Uh, we, we really want to see as much support for the TRF uh, Second Chance program down here in Florida as we can possibly get
6: completely it's as a wonderful always program. it's great
0: to talk with you uh we'll thank and we'll, we'll get to see you live and in person in a couple of weeks which uh we always look forward to and uh we want to thank everybody for listening to the thoroughbred post uh we'll be back in a couple of weeks with some more adventure talk to you thank soon you.
1: thank you for more than 35 thank- years the thoroughbred retirement foundation has provided thousands of retired racehorses a lifelong sanctuary their racing careers have ended focused on the welfare of those equine athletes unable to pursue a second athletic career due to injury the trf is the oldest and largest taa accredited thoroughbred aftercare organization in the united states every dollar makes a difference consider a gift of thanks and visit trfinc.org today